Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source of news, interviews and comments on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence, brought to you by TCT Magazine. I'm your host, Sam Davis, and today I'm bringing you the latest episode of our Innovators on Innovators series. On this episode, Materialize founder and CEO Fried Van Kran is joined by Quick Parts CEO Zayad Abu. With both working in the industry for several decades, Fried and Zayad have had relations as suppliers, customers, competitors, and as of January 2023, partners. Throughout the episode, the pair discussed the importance of their new collaboration, which will see Quick Parts deploy CoAM for its global manufacturing operations, while also touching on the issues of skills, data security, and supply chain. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more additive insight, head over to tctmagazine.com where you can subscribe to the print edition of TCT Magazine and our weekly additive insight newsletter for free. Nice that you joined me in this conversation. How are you today? Good. Thank you, Fried. I am more than happy to be with you today. You know, we interacted since what, you know, about 30 years now mm-hmm. together. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was a long journey for both of us. We have done a lot in the 3D printing field. And we will be doing a lot, I guess, moving forward. Well, I think the future will be even more exciting than the past. But I, if we return back, 30 years is a long time. And uh, yeah, in that period, I think one of the nice things is that uh, we, we have been, on one hand, suppliers to each other. Uh, on the other hand, customers from each other. And also, well, all of the time, in some areas, competitors from each other. Oh, I <laughs> so fully that, agree. Uh, covering the complete spectrum. We, yes, you know, during those 30 years, like you highlighted, we have been through different phases, you know. But, uh, of course, you know, we competed in some area. We were customer in some others. And we partnered and i i would like you know to highlight this partnership moving forward mm-hmm. because it's it's going to be important for both our companies but also to our customer which at the end of the day yeah. it is the most important part of it i i fully agree yeah i uh, yeah we have seen under the pressure of uh, the COVID situation, uh, a real acceleration of the importance of cloud-based and, and digital interactions. And uh, yeah, to some extent, that's good for the 3D printing industry because now it allows to collaborate between organizations in a more effective way than uh, before the the COVID uh, situation. So uh, despite all the worries and all the yeah 
bad <laughs> impacts of the COVID crisis. The, the crisis has once more been uh, an accelerator. Um, and with our yeah, new partnership uh, based on the COEM implementation, we really hope to, to accelerate uh, because now we will be using data to their fullest extent and try to really yeah, capture the intelligence of your organization in your system of ours in our and, and move faster forward for the customers. Fred, I agree, you know, COVID was a, an accelerator. And this, you know, remind me, I don't know if our young engineer today or our young customer remembers it, but 30 days ago when we started, even emails didn't exist. Mm -hmm. or file transfers to the cloud. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, doing my first parts, you know, having the customer on the phone telling me he's going to send me, you know, the, those big cassettes or whatever, you know, where his data yeah. was in it. I have to wait, you know, three, four, five days to get them by mail, mm -hmm. put them in the machine, get the order by fax, and uh, a lot of progress since, since yeah, 30 years, I right? Our very first medical model was started from such a big real tape placed on a mainframe computer from IBM. Uh, and then such a big tape could contain the data set of one patient. That's uh, how data were transferred at the time. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, yeah, we have uh, yeah, loads of uh, data passing through the internet at, at very high speeds and we should take advantage of it eh? uh, because it's really enabling us to serve our customers faster and better. I was thinking to propose that, um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the big tendencies we see at this moment in our industry uh, because yeah, we are again at the front of new frontiers. Uh, and uh, I do believe that uh, it's important for the listeners to, to, uh, to see how we think to overcome several hurdles for the wider spread of, of additive manufacturing. Yeah, because at Materialize, uh, we did uh, some research with more than 100 manufacturing companies in the US, more than 100 in Germany, and more than 100 in Japan. And these were approximately evenly split over users of additive manufacturing technologies and non-users, which we could divide in two groups, let's say the ones that were really considering to move into additive manufacturing and then the real non-believers. Um, and yeah, what we learn from those people is that cost is still the major issue uh, for them. Uh, and that's definitely where, yeah, we need to work together, uh, not only both of us, but also with machine and materials manufacturers to get it down, how do you see this happening? 
I agree, and I was going towards what you are talking about, Fried. So we say there is different components for cost reduction. Uh, I agree with you that, you know, uh, today from the uh, hardware, you know, manufacturer or resin manufacturer, having 80%, you know, gross margin like they used to have, especially on material in the past is not sustainable if we want to grow uh, 3D printing. And we are seeing, you know, uh, some decline on material pricing and it's going the right way, I would say. But uh, yeah, talking yeah. about- I'm surprised, sorry. sorry. I'm surprised yes. because due to inflation, we see several companies raising their price seriously, even more than the inflation. That's a pity. Uh, I agree. I guess, you know, that some people are a little bit taking profit of uh, the situation where we are, but I am not too much worried because they are outside, you know, OEMs. There are other people today suggesting, you know, materials at the cheapest cost mm -hmm. uh, than what we are used to have. And some of them, you know, are in China. You know, we mm -hmm. have some Chinese companies suggesting the materials, you know, at a really cheap cost. We have also European company, especially, you know, talking about uh, not only resin, but powder or filament. Uh, you have some other players now coming to the market with cheaper prices than we are used to have from our traditional suppliers. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think uh, you are pleading for the fact that we need open systems. Eh? Uh, if we want to move the costs in the right direction of the materials, uh, we need open systems. I fully agree, you know. Uh, some of the OEMs understand it and they are now offering open systems. Some others are still, you know, uh, stuck with their... 10 years or 15 years old policies and they are not allowing open systems. I don't think, you know, if they continue this way, uh, they will they will survive in the future because mm -hmm. we all know that all the, you know, all patents are now in the market. And, yeah. you know, anyone I will say can build uh, any of the industrial machines that we are using today, they need to adapt. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely in production lines, the yeah, manufacturing companies want to be able to choose their materials and optimize the price setting of the products. So. And so, you know, Fried, what I wanted to say about cost reduction, I agree, you know, it will start with materials and, and machines. But for me, you know, it is a, a bigger topic than that. And there is a learning curve that you, me and others, you know, need to do to our customers because 3d printing you know i agree if you want to compare traditional manufacturing a parts done with traditional to 3d printing perhaps they can see 
a, a big difference in the cost. But what about, you know, designing differently? Instead, you know, having one parts mix two or three parts, and this will be only done by 3D printing. This will, at the end of the day, decrease the cost globally to the customer. Uh, another component, you know, of cost reduction for our customers is, uh, you know, no tooling, no maintenance of the tooling, uh, the ability to be able to produce everywhere when they need the parts, no depreciation on amortization. Uh, another also part of, of the cost, and if we think about it globally, it at the, you know, the final part, uh, 3D printing today, today allow our customers, you know, to save weight, to save space in their final product. So their final product will cost cheaper, even if the 3D printed part will cost them more than traditional manufacturing. So it is a, a global, I will say, uh, way of thinking that we need as a market to understand. I fully agree there and I, I recognize your three points. Um, as to the first one on the design, uh, I can, I, I don't know if you have a different experience, but my personal experience is that you could say that um, approximately zero parts that are real copies of parts that have been designed for milling or injection molding or that kind of technologies have been truly successful as uh, 3D printed end parts. As a prototype, it's a different story uh, because then uh, you have the big advantage of not needing the, the, the tooling that you also mentioned there later. But if we really talk about yeah, the big opportunity for our industry, the, the, the end parts, then uh, I don't see a single case, I would say, where you don't need to optimize the design to really gain a substantial amount of, of, of costs. And indeed, one of the most obvious ways that we always promote to our customers is to try to combine multiple parts in a completely new design. And, and the nice thing about it is that often you manage to make it more functional, uh, not just lighter weight, but, but also often more functional thanks to the new tools that exist with, with generative uh, design, for instance. You can really, uh, ah, for instance, in, increase the, the, the temperature transfer in, in heat exchangers uh, and improve their functionality. That's, that's one of many, many examples. I think with our experience, we, we can also indicate a few categories of, of products where really big gains can be made. And, and uh, yeah, if we want to inspire customers, I always tell them, look at anything that flows. Fluids, gases, uh, yeah, heat. Uh, if you have that kind of components in your system, there, there is 
a serious opportunity that by reconsidering the design thanks to additive manufacturing, you can gain performance. You can gain in costs because if you want to have complex flows and you need multiple components to bring it together with additive manufacturing, you can do it in, in one go. And there we have seen, in, in my opinion, fantastic increases in the materials performance. And we both remember that we started with stereolithography and, and one very brittle material. Uh, yeah, today you, you can 3D print nearly every functional material, not, I would say, never the same as that the traditional manufacturing processes use it, but that doesn't mean worse. It often means better than the traditional manufacturing processes. It is only not in the spec, or I will say what is written on their drawing. Mm -hmm. And that's the mindset, you know, that need to be changed to, to change in the future is to be able to adapt the new material. Like you said, we have a plenty, plenty, mm -hmm. plenty of materials, you know, and some of them are even stronger than what we are mm -hmm. doing today in, in plastic or metal that can be used, but it is, you know, a new mindset and a new, uh, uh, way of doing the things yeah and i will say you know i'm confident that we will be we will reach this point because today you know smart manufacturing is is growing it is predicted you know following the market studies it predicted you know to hit 500 to 780 billion you know in 2030 and when you look inside the smart manufacturing market, the highest rate of growth is attributed to 3D printing at around 18% on annual mm -hmm. growth and software. Mm -hmm. So between both of us, Fried, mm -hmm. we are inside this trend that we need to leverage and 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 make our customer aware about. I can only confirm that uh, your words are being matched by the results of our survey. Uh, when, when we did our survey, we asked what the, uh, the customer saw as the main trends impacting production lines. And well, as the first one, they talked about digitization, which I understand very well and also AI, but then immediately thereafter, they said AM. Uh, so as a production technology, AM comes out first. Uh, so, and that's that's a clear confirmation of your words. Huh? Uh, I, by the way, in the survey, it also appears that, that yeah, many people see, uh, a additive manufacturing as a as an yeah an additional asset to reduce their supply chain issues eh? because in our highly yeah disrupted world uh, and I uh, with with uh, global supply chain in disarray. I, I believe it is a fantastic opportunity for quick parts with its global operations. 
to I fully agree, Fried, you know. Yeah. And we can see it actually at Quick Pass, you know, because like you said, we have the chance, you know, to be uh, manufacturing uh, in, in two different continents between Europe and the US. We have more and more our customers, you know, either designing in the US and producing in Europe or vice versa, uh, not only for the prototyping side, but also for on the manufacturing side. Mm -hmm. So this is a trend that we are seeing, you know, growing. It's not where we want it to be yet, but it is a start and we need to start somewhere. Yeah, we, we definitely also had very nice examples. And, and also there, uh, COVID has been an accelerator. Eh? For instance, uh, the company CNH, they started working with us during COVID because they had supply chain issues. And uh, this, yeah, factual collaboration on a few uh, critical components during COVID has resulted now in a structural collaboration between uh, Materialize and uh, CNH, where we are educating their engineers on the systematic use of, of 3D printing. For instance, on the uh, design for additive manufacturing you were referring to before. Uh, and we now have the opportunity to systematically train their, their engineering groups and let them consider uh, additive manufacturing as a normal production process in their supply chain, which is fantastic. I agree. And one important component here, you know, we spoke a lot about, I would say, uh, localization between different countries. We spoke about hardware. Uh, I wanted to highlight something important for us at least that will bring us to the next step is what we are doing together to smooth, you know, uh, on, on the workflow automation, what we are doing together with CoEM. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, uh, installing uh, and simplifying our workflow automation in installing such kind of software will allow me today in my office in my home to see what is our availabilities not only in the us but in france in the uk in italy in germany uh, capacity utilization is important to be able to answer adequately to our customer mm -hmm. and being able you know to see that as soon as I want without having, you know, to email someone waiting three hours for him to answer or giving him the phone call. It is an important part of this smart and distributed manufacturing. Today's episode is sponsored by 3D Systems. Here, Paul Miller, 3D Systems Materials Product Marketing Manager, introduces Duraform PAX, a new novel SLS nylon photopolymer that promises great mechanical properties for prototypes and end-use parts, long-term stability, and unexpected low cost of ownership. 
Duraform PAX is a new family of products that uh, we developed in partnership with uh, Adams Grill Tech. And what we're really excited about is it's innovation in the space where there hasn't been a ton of types of materials. Duraform PAX is durable, it's tough, um, it has really high elongation, and is really flexible. So it opens up a lot of application possibilities. It prints at a very low temperature, which is actually one of its strengths because it's easier on printers and has a really high recycling rate. What we're also really excited about is some of the operational benefits. It is faster to handle. Uh, you can remove it, the part cake, the machine faster after printing, and the breakout of parts. And, and that's where some of the financial benefits help our customers as well. When people hear new and novel, they, they typically jump to, it's gotta be expensive. Um, but, but our pricing strategy with Duraform PAX was intended to encourage adoption as a go-to material, particularly for those customers that are looking for prints with unspecified properties. So you, you still get all those great mechanical properties that we, we talked about, but at generally a lower cost. And then it's the operational benefits. It's the ease of printing. It's the operator intervention, the less service. You don't have any sublimation, which is one of the big challenges people experience with PA11s. Our customers have come to us and said they're really excited to be able to offer an SLS material uh, to their customers that, that they can ship within 24 hours, which is, is truly remarkable. This material is intended for end-use parts. You've got long-term stability and in some cases properties that make it indistinguishable from injection molded parts. Can you talk about that? Today we have two different variants and it's a family that we expect that will, will grow in the future. We have a, a natural color and a black color. We've tested the color and the mechanical properties out over five years for indoor and outdoor over uh, a year and a half. And the tensile strength, the elongation and color all hold up from the look and the aesthetics of the material, particularly when you vapor hone it, you're able to get some translucency that opens up new applications. So anything where you're trying to look at liquids and anything within walls, you'll get that really nice translucency. It's, it's been described from our customers as looking like a, a rigid polypropylene. For the black material, uh, instead of the translucency, you get an additional sheen. So some of these sample applications that we've made is we've introduced texture onto the parts and then vapor honed it. By doing that, it really looks like an injection molded plastic. One of the examples I like to talk about is some of our engineers that work on all these different materials in, in our office and showing these uh, vapor honed SLS parts, people are shocked to believe that they're, they come from SLS. To learn more, head over to mytct.co forward slash 3dspod or visit 3dsystems.com. Again, referring back to the survey that I mentioned already a few times, when people have additive manufacturing, they see the lack of skilled operators as uh, their most important impediment. And well, thanks to the automation uh, and, and sometimes even artificial intelligence on top of the data that, that we have available, we can, yeah, implement the, the best processes of our best process operators, automate them and, and let them de be repeated quite automatically. Yeah. And I want to stress that it's about more than just the process automation on the 3D printer, because yeah, another big evolution is that 
the pre and the post processing of parts in order to get functional components with the right color and the right specs uh, is uh, is nearly as important as, as as the printing and very often as important in in yeah amount of waste that is generated when it's not done right um, so having a system like OEM that does not just steer the, the 3D printer, but the complete AM production line is of major importance in order to, to automate the full process and not just one step in the full process. I agree. You know, we, uh, it will start, I will say, as soon as the customer have a request, you know, coming online having his code immediately mm -hmm. uh, send it you know uh, uh, to, 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 to the right I will say provider or facility and then from here you know dispatched across the world to see where it can be printed where it can be and and then you know automation on uh, on finishing automation on uh, dyeing the parts automation on uh, packaging the part and shipping it's it's a whole process I agree with you not only you know related to the hardware or the 3d printing machine it's across the board you know from mm. the time the customer have a design until he receives a part yeah well and uh Ziad, I'm, I'm happy that you said the right the right producer huh? because uh, I think while we are in some areas com competing as a service provider, for instance, we are also very complementary in many areas. Um, too much 3D printing is seen and presented as a one solution fits all. Huh? Uh, while in, in reality, uh, for instance, making eyewear as, as we do it requires a com completely dedicated production chain if you want to do it up to the yeah reference level that the eyewear industry is used for is used to you cannot do that in a standard prototyping service bureau in in a in a systematic and and scalable way yeah and and eyewear is just one example eh, because we are active in so many different sectors and i think that's why multiple service bureaus can coexist if they can tune their processes to specific application segments uh, they can uh, yeah they can have a healthy future and and a lot of growth even if they are multiple uh, it's not that 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 one company will take the entire field in the future because it of is the impossible. Rich, opportunities and the wide diversification that is needed it's impossible and we don't have to forget you know about also traditional manufacturing you know we don't have to say that traditional manufacturing is dead today's 3d printing like you said cannot do everything and you know at quick parts we embrace both traditional and 3d printing to be able to answer the right way to the customer you know sometimes it doesn't make sense to use a 3D printing machine to do some parts. 
traditional manufacturing is here is you know uh, we know what it will bring and following the cost and the lead time you will choose what yeah. needs to be done yeah i fully agree at the same time i want to add even that uh yeah there is an increasing combination of both which even adds more possibilities <laughs> uh, yes so uh, especially on the metal side, uh, I think this is less present on the, on the on the plastic side. There, there is a, a post processing that needs to be done, but it's not, yeah, adding much traditional machining or so. But on the, I on on the on the metal side, the yeah, it's it's really uh, nearly impossible to work without the combination of traditional machining and, and, and 3D printing. Yeah? Uh, and that's also where uh, I think we are seeing a, a very fast and good evolution, uh, both on the side of the, of the software, like, like we develop and on the, the post-processing uh, side. I agree, uh, what I will say, you know, to complete this uh, workflow automation and to keep going on what we are discussing, you know, the right choices and the right material. Uh, what we are still, sorry, what we start seeing coming on the market, but we are still missing, you know, this tool because it is the start but i guess in one or two years it will it will be there it is the tool which will help our customer to choose the right process or material between all those different technologies today you know even me 30 years experience in 3d printing i am lost with all the manufacturer or all the hardware coming to the market and for each machine you can time it by five or six different materials inside each machine mm -hmm. i i lost track you know of what's mm -hmm. existing what is mm -hmm. uh, you know what we can do and what we cannot do also if you add traditional manufacturing uh, i guess you know some people are start working on that a, a software you know which will help our customer following the part he designed, what he want to do the part, to give him, you know, the right or orientation toward the right process mm -hmm. and the right technology to choose. This will help a lot because today, you know, I will say our engineers at QuickPass are spending a lot of time with the customer, advising them, trying to find out what, but what if mm -hmm. this automated, you know, what if you have mm -hmm. a software which can do that for us and the customer? This will be, a, I would say, a huge uh, progress moving forward. I don't know, what do you think about that? I, I'm, I'm aligned, but I must say only partially here. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the uh, on one hand, I, I truly believe that such a software will help. Huh? Uh, and we are partnering on the on the partner platform of coem 
with some companies that are really developing into this direction and that have already made very good efforts. But I think they still have quite some way to go, as you suggested over the over the following years. Yeah. So um, I, at Materialize, we don't develop this software because we we want to focus our efforts on being the connector uh, and on on and. And, and on focusing on on supporting the the core processes as much as possible, and you can't do all in this complicated world. So you have to partner, like we are partnering also with third parties, uh, and that's that's what we want to enable by being being with Coem and a connector uh, on our data fabric, as we call it, where all the data from all the different tools are situated together so that that everybody can share data and and get the most intelligence out of it so on that part i'm i'm really aligned yeah on the other hand i'm a big believer that uh, in the end these are also tools and our salespeople will remain extremely important to consult the customers because I, I think, yeah, the, the software can provide suggestions and can provide checklists and so on, but still there is this nuance of asking the right question at the right time. And, and just seeing the application and, and, and feeling what uh, the, the customer is intending to do, that's a customer, intimacy interaction that that uh, even the best AI algorithm won't have is my opinion. Uh, it's where we humans and, and yeah our good salespeople remain extremely important. Fried, I guess that we are aligned and I don't want to shift this conversation you know to the topic will AI, to one day replace humans, I, I guess, you know, I agree with you. Human will still human and we will need them. Mm -hmm. I, I was suggesting it, you know, like you said, as a tool mm -hmm. to help us to, I will say, to, 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 to do the first steps. And then, you know, of course, human interaction will, uh, uh, will be always needed. Uh, also, you know, about Coem and about your strategy, I wanted to say, you know, that's what, when we choose Coem, that's what we liked with Coem, is this platform, which will allow us not only, you know, to plug uh, materialize uh, solution, but other solution from other third parties that are working on it. And actually, that's what we are doing, you know, in our development, we are using COEM for the things that you guys are really strong to do, uh, like the MES system, but we are plugging also other third party solution to COEM and that's what really we liked. And I'm not suggesting at all that you change your strategy here. Yeah. Well, we are not planning to do you, to do that to you, <laughs> I can assure you. <laughs> A topic I want to raise also is 
Yeah, the importance of data security and data integrity, because um, we are living in a, a world that has become more cruel than ever before, uh, and where the attacks and, and, and the phishing and all the data hacking uh, is really a very structural problem where you can't be cautious enough. Um, and I think that's also something that we need to make people aware of. Uh, it's, uh, um, yeah, the digital world is a fantastic world, uh, but unfortunately, the, the time that the internet was uh, a play garden is over. Uh, and uh, one has to be very, very cautious. Uh, because having all those knowledge together inside one system has a lot of advantages, but there is one big drawback, and that's the security risk. I am really happy that you are uh, highlighting this topic, Fried, and I fully agree with you. Uh, and I think our industry is not yet aware or fully aware or fully prepared. To that at quick parts you know we invested a lot of money uh, on data security you know uh, mm -hmm. and it will start before even the customer submit a file or a code to us even before you know uh, we ask the customer how sensitive is his data and his uh, files and what he is sharing with us. And following his answer, we direct uh, his data to mm -hmm. different places where we have our usual data. Uh, I'm not sure that everyone, you know, is treating those uh, information the right way. Uh, it is, uh, yes, this, because, you know, any leak here will be, will be damaging for all the industry. I fully agree. And that's, yeah, we consider data security as, as one of the key fundamentals of the platform. And that is where we also heavily keep investing. Yeah, It, it means that we have less means for developing extra applications, but that's then again, what we leave to third parties because we cannot do everything. But we want to make sure that, yeah, Parties like you can feel safe, uh, at least on the topics we control. Uh, and that's, uh, I can tell you, that's a huge burden we take on our shoulders, uh, which is costing, unfortunately, quite some money. Uh, data security is not coming for free. Uh, it's, it's a huge effort we have to perform uh and and yeah unfortunately i don't dare to guarantee that that we will never be hacked but what we can assure you is that we do our very best to to keep the security at the highest level um that's uh, a commitment we are making 
It's important, uh, you know, uh, you doing it, we on our side, you know, applying it and doing it. And, you know, the cost, I understand your pain here because we have the same pain mm -hmm. on the cost side. And it's not easy to always explain to uh, investors or even customers, you know, mm -hmm. because the ROI is not immediate, but this is something uh, that is, at least for me, uh, essential to be done. You know, we yeah. cannot neglect this part of our business, you know, especially, you know, we are working on a very advanced product, right? Mm. You know, what, what we are uh, prototyping today or, or doing today is the product of next year or in two years sometime, or sometime is in three years. We cannot afford those files or those information to go somewhere else outside you know of course our customer and our facilities absolutely yeah. and you have on top the privacy issues for patients you have the the security issues related to the aerospace industry so there is a really uh, a lot that pleads for uh, a decent state-of-the-art uh, advanced secure system so um, again even in this world where there are those dangers i see much more opportunities and uh, if, if i talk to our customers uh, i'm always enthusiastic about uh, the fact that they see many many applications and uh, therefore I do feel confident that, that 3D printing will steadily move ahead, uh, for sure. I, I fully agree, Fried, and I don't want, I don't know if uh, you want us to conclude here, but you know, I will say personally, I spent very exciting 30 years in this industry. Never the same day, never the same technology, never the same challenges. And I hope that I will be spending again with you, Fried, the next 30 years in this industry, innovating and, and challenging ourselves and our customers and our people to move forward. Ziad, I share your excitement. <laughs> <laughs>